Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Chris is in Wilmington. Roger is in Pittsburgh. Archie is in Greensboro. You can chime in from Boone and Asheville and the Triad and other places to our west. Greenville, Wilmington and other places to our east. We're right here in the Triangle having fun with you. You can be next on the NFL, college basketball, college football, NBA, Carolina Hurricanes and other hockey. The golf world is ramping back up. No Tiger Woods for two more weeks, but most of the rest of the boys are in Hawaii as we speak. And there's even a Patrick Reed, Brandel Chambly, don't call me a cheater or my lawyer is coming after you showdown unfolding a little bit earlier this week. You can be next with your question, comment, or complaint. I have more fun facts on the NFL divisional round matchups that await us this weekend as we go to Archie and Roger and you, 1-800-849-2761. Titans at Ravens. Baltimore is a 10-point favorite. Why did I not pick Baltimore with the Ravens at home with Lamar Jackson, the MVP? MVP as my lock of the weekend. I do think Baltimore will win again, but here's what scares me a little bit. Derrick Henry is an absolute monster at running back for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill has had a stunningly impressive season at quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. Do you know what team blitzes the most as a percentage of defensive snaps in the entire NFL? The answer is the Baltimore Ravens. Do you know who is among the quarterbacks who makes people pay for blitzing as much as anybody in the NFL this season? His name is Ryan Tannehill. He's been around for a while. He's not intimidated by extra guys coming at him. He knows his release valve pass. He can anticipate schemes at this stage of his career. I still think the Ravens will win. I still believe Lamar Jackson will prove to his haters and critics that last year's Playoff game loss where Lamar Jackson was truly horrendous for the first half of that loss to the Chargers and even part of the second half. He was central to the reasons reason why the Ravens face-planted one year ago in his rookie season. Remember, he took over for Joe Flacco as the starter at midseason, had a lot of good numbers down the stretch, did lead a couple of second-half scoring drives while the Ravens fans were calling for Flacco to replace him. But in the end, it was a 23-17 loss, and Lamar Jackson's skeptics and critics came out of the woodwork saying, see, a guy who runs that much ain't going to lead a playoff victory over a high-caliber opponent. Lamar and his supporters, of course, are arguing this is a new and improved version of Lamar. He understands the game better now. He has more experience, of course. Still a young guy, but he was the MVP, for crying out loud. Not official yet, but all the straw polls suggest that is going to be the, the case officially here soon. I like the Ravens over the Titans. I just think Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill have a chance to control the ball, bleed the clock. These are two of the top three rushing offenses in the NFL. That typically means you run the ball a lot and the clock continues to bleed. That's the road for Tennessee to go to Baltimore and win. Do I think it'll happen? No, I don't. But I am more confident that the Chiefs, as a 10-point favorite over the Texans, are going to win than I am Baltimore, a 10-point favorite over the Titans. I think both teams will win at home in the AFC. Again, the NFC, your guess is as good as mine. Vikings at Niners, Seahawks at Packers. I don't see huge gaps between those two teams in either of the NFC matchups. But Baltimore has more on its hands, I'll say, than I think the Chiefs have with te the Texans. Deshaun Watson is Superman, 
And Deshaun Watson doesn't have enough support, I don't believe, from the Houston Texans. We'll see if they could spring an upset in Kansas City. I am highly skeptical of that one. That's why the Chiefs are the closest thing I have to a lock of the weekend. Back to college basketball. Wake is at Duke. State goes to Virginia Tech. And, of course, the Tar Heels host Clemson trying to keep their forever streak alive over the basketball Tigers. Archie is in Greensboro and has college hoops on his mind. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Thanks, D.G. Uh, I think the point that uh, – well, the principal point I wanted to make was it seems like everybody who's criticizing Roy is making the mistake of equating talent with success. And uh, I think what he's really – I don't even think that what he said was negative, whether he had the right to say it or not. I think what he's saying is that not that they can't have success, it's just that they can't have success by relying on their talent. In other words, what he's setting his team up for is for tell, is to tell them how they can succeed. I, I think you're on to something. Number one, all smart people agree that Roy Williams was being truthful with his least gifted comment. It alienated a lot of people for a lot of reasons, but I don't know of a knowledgeable basketball person. Jeff Capel of Pitt just said, and coaches don't like talking about other coaches' teams. Jeff Capel just said on my show this week, Roy wasn't lying when he said this is his least gifted group as the head coach of the Tar Heels. I think you have a point there, and this comes up in sports a lot. It does not matter even a little bit what the rest of the world thinks of Roy Williams' least gifted comment. As long as Archie in Greensboro is right about Roy's message, and especially his players know that that's his real message. Those players have been asked repeatedly about Roy's comments. And Armando Baycott, we played his comments for you. Roy wasn't being disrespectful. Roy was just being blunt. Roy was just being honest. He's not throwing us under the bus. We don't look at it that way. He wants what's best for us. And you know what the reality is? Anybody who's been an athlete can tell you, especially if you were a little bit older when you started to understand how things work. If you know your coach has your best interest at heart, you can take a lot of criticism. And you're not going to care what Roy says to the media or to the fans. You're going to care how he treats you. And if that is a strong bond, and Roy Williams, the Hall of Famer for championships and wins, is regarded by many as a Hall of Famer unofficially as it comes to relationships with his players, you know, long after they're gone, but also while they're on campus at Kansas or these 17 years at UNC, they describe him as a special coach in that way, beyond his obvious knowledge of basketball and three-time national championship status. As long as those bonds are strong, this is just an outside issue this is a why is it on the front page of espn this is roy williams making fun of the media for comparing it you know for making it uh, sensationalized in his eyes and saying it's no more important in his eyes than his lucky socks and a story written about that right it's a matter of perspective it's a matter of social media debate and firestorm and even angry fans going back and forth but inside the only thing that matters is if roy in some way jeopardized his relationship with his own players and I just don't think that's the case because he's famously great at maintaining those relationships. And those guys will, you know, why do they cry on senior day? 
because they grow to appreciate who Roy is as a person who cares about them as young men in addition as ba- to basketball players. And he has a 30-plus year track record as a head coach for being fair about things. If you thought your coach was a jerk, you know who tried to be hard on his players at Carolina and said some criti- critical things publicly and got buried in the end for it? Matt Doherty. Why? Because he had no street cred. He was a brand-new young head coach. You can't hammer your guys like you're Bobby Knight and expect them to respect you when you haven't built the relationship yet. When you're a Hall of Famer already, Roy's in the Hall of Fame, when the new Tar Heels know they're coming after generations of Jayhawks and Tar Heels who swear by Roy Williams the person and the coach and how much he cares about them, there's just little risk to what you say publicly. Could you cross a line? Of course you could. But these guys are wired to try to get better in practice every day. They're wired to mostly ignore what fans and media are talking about. And they're wired, in most cases, to roll their eyes about what Roy Williams says after a game or on his coach's show. Are there extreme cases where a coach can alienate his players? Yes. Matt Doherty and the Tar Heels a couple decades ago, a huge example of that. That mutinous ship led to the dismissal of Matt Doherty over the longer haul. But Matt Doherty was like, you know, two or three years into his head coaching career. He was a very young guy. He wasn't that crazy much older than the players. Roy Williams is a guy in his late 60s who's already in the Hall of Fame and already has three national championship rings. Do you think that gives him some street cred in the UNC locker room? Of course it does. And that's why all of this outside conversation is really nonsensical and immaterial as long as Roy has the attention and the captive audience in those players. They can get better in baby steps without Cole Anthony. They have no chance of being a great team without Cole Anthony. Zero. They just don't have the horses. They have a couple of good players in their big men. That's it. They don't have a single above-average ACC guard. That's it. And if you don't have a single above-average ACC guard, you're going to struggle. When Cole Anthony comes back, of course, as a point guard, he changes things offensively and defensively. I think you raise a good point, Archie. I appreciate you listening and calling 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Will is in Burlington, and next on Free For All Friday, 1-800-849-2761 is how you can follow him. Beyond Clemson's forever streak in Chapel Hill and that matchup in the ACC tomorrow, the Wolfpack goes to Virginia Tech. State is coming off its second-best win of the season. They beat Wisconsin in non-conference play back in December. They beat Notre Dame this week in a great comeback victory with Markel Johnson looking like that all-ACC version of himself instead of the guy who just couldn't shoot from three-point land or the free-throw line for stretches earlier this year. Hokies, of course, the most surprising team in the ACC. So there's a lot at stake for the Tar Heels. There's something significant at stake for the Wolfpack as well. This summer... You'd have thought State going to Virginia Tech, oh, that's a win for Kevin Keats and the Wolfpack. The Hokies were expected to be like 15th, dead last. In the middle of the summer after Mike Young got hired from Wofford to when Buzz Williams took off for Texas A&M, there was a stretch before some freshmen fell into place and some guys decided to stay instead of transfer. There was a stretch where Mike Young did not have five scholarship players. Like, I mean, it was only the summer, but you do need five by rule for the opening tip, right? He gradually added guys. A couple of red shirts have turned out to be good players, especially Landers Nolly, a Buzz Williams signee who chose to stay. 
They lost guys to the NBA. They lost Kerry Blackshear, their best big man to transfer. He's with the Florida Gators. Somehow, some way, they're hitting threes. They're playing a bunch of freshmen. They they have a lot of ball handlers on the court. They are very vulnerable defensively, the Hokies. And NC State, statistically, is one of the top 10 offenses in the country. I hope C.J. Bryce is healthy after his concussion issues. When Bryce is healthy, and he's had a great year, all ACC in my opinion, when Markel Johnson plays the way he did against Notre Dame, and D.J. Funderburk, I think, is a quality big man. Manny Bates blocks shots. Funderburk gives them other things. That's a nice big three. After Duke, Florida State, and Louisville, that nucleus for the Wolfpack gives them a chance not to you know, challenge Duke for a regular season title or something like that. But it, to me, it gives them a higher ceiling than a majority of teams in the ACC. They got to get better defensively, the Wolfpack, just like Virginia Tech has that as a weakness as well. With the Hokies being small and inexperienced, it's up to the Wolfpack's offense, which has been very good. Five double-figure scorers for Kevin Keats, a strong eight-man rotation. Lots of guys can hit threes. They're, they're really dynamic offensively, one of the more dynamic in the ACC, the Wolfpack. That's a game tomorrow night in Blacksburg. It just looks a lot harder now than we thought this summer, given the strong start by the Hokies. Will, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DJ. Thanks for having me, man. Sure, man. What's on your mind? All right, so I have two questions. Um, number one, uh, I've Googled it. I can't find anything. Do you know if there's a website that shows, like, past year injury reports for uh, past years. NCAA basketball team? I, I use KenPalm.com for this year's injuries injury games missed. You know, if I ever need that, he's got pages for every team, and I can kind of add up the math in my head. I, I, I'm sure somebody out there can can give us a, a reference point. I don't know of a, you know, a reference page for that in previous years. Basketball Reference is a great website, but you'd have to do the math yourself, right? You'd have to, like, go to each team and see they played 30-plus games, and this guy only played, you know, 27 or whatever. Uh, that's probably more math than you're interested in. But if anybody out there has a quick and easy uh, injury games missed website, they have those for the NFL, for example. Uh, but I, I don't know of one for college basketball, if that's what you mean. Okay. And my second question, um, who's your starting lineup for UNC when Cole comes back? Now, I'm wondering if it's good with mine. Mine's, uh, uh, wow, Jeremiah Francis, Cole, Black, uh, Brooks and Baycott. I think B-Rob coming off the bench, we'll get bench scoring from him. I think that'd be a good squad. Interesting. Obviously, Cole Anthony's going to start. Uh, Garrison Brooks is playing a lot of minutes for a big man. Roy Williams doesn't usually play his bigs 35 minutes a game, but you know he just needs Garrison Brooks that much, so Garrison's close to that number. Uh, and you, you, what did you say about B-Rob? You're bringing him off the bench? Yeah, I think him coming off uh, the bench for scoring, I think that'd be perfect for us. Yeah, he's, you know, Brandon Robinson is a senior being asked to be more than he's capable of being. That's the bottom line. The Tar Heels don't have great guards this year. So rather than having a senior year where he's playing off of Cole Anthony the whole season and getting some open threes, and he is a nice three-point shooter, he's being asked to you know initiate possessions from the top of the key, and that's just not what he does well. So he's, he's miscast, not because Roy Williams is not a smart guy, but because Roy Williams really doesn't have anywhere else to turn. So Robinson certainly deserves to get a lot of minutes. I have no problem you bringing him off the bench. I do think Justin Pierce has something to give as part of a rotation. He's a high-energy guy. 
Uh, he's just not shooting well at all. He can score a little, rebound a little. He works his tail off. So he, he, he would stay in the rotation for me. But Garrison Brooks is still going to get 30-plus minutes in the post. Cole Anthony will get 30-plus minutes a game at point guard. Uh, Armando Baycott's not going to play that much. Freshman big men usually don't. But it doesn't matter to me whether you start him or bring him off the bench. Jeremiah Francis is not ready to lead an ACC team. That doesn't mean he can't be ready later this season, but he, he is over his head right now compared to the competition. Uh, he has done some good things. I've probably seen some things that you have seen. Leaky Black should stay in the rotation as well. But, man, you know, Christian Keeling is not playing like an ACC-caliber player. Andrew Playtech is not playing like an ACC-caliber player. Uh, Anthony Harris showed some promise and then tore his ACL, so he's out for the season. The Tar Heels are running out of options, and after their top three, I would argue Cole Anthony, Garrison Brooks, and Armando Baycott, when Anthony gets healthy again, it's a very ordinary-looking roster after their top three. Now, the upside is most other teams don't have a top three as good as Cole Anthony when he's healthy, Garrison Brooks, and you'd expect Armando Baycott to be better in February and March than he has been. He's been okay to this point. A good ACC freshman, one of the top 10 ACC freshmen so far this season in this league. You'd expect him to be better later in his freshman season than early. You know, Roy's got to ride those guys. And, you know, Brandon Robinson has to be part of the solution. And Justin Pierce has to be part of the solution. Probably my only reservation with the lineup that you just put out there Jeremiah Francis is a freshman who missed his junior and senior years of high school because of injury. I see promise in the young man. I think he could play in the ACC, but it's kind of like when Larry Drew 10 years ago. I keep saying Roy Williams has been to 29 of the last 30 NCAA tournaments. Y'all know the one. The one was 10 years ago. And a guy named Larry Drew was handed the keys to the engine and the Tar Heels have that reputation fastest fast break in America you know they're trying to score on you at the other end even after you make a basket even after a made basket they're running and trying to beat you to the opposing rim and Larry Drew in a succession of point guards think of the names I mean Phil Ford for the Wayback Machine and others but even just under Roy Ty Lawson and Ray Felton and a bunch of others and then plugged in the middle Larry Drew and he was just in over his head and there were other players on that team, including big men, kind of like this year's team. Ten years ago was when Roy missed the NCAA tournament. They ended up being the runner-up in the NIT. You know, John Henson was on that team. Ed Davis was on that team. Those are big dudes who ended up, ended up spending a lot of time in the NBA. They're still there. But the Heels had no guard play. They won it all in 2009, remember, national title. And then everybody left virtually. You know, Bobby Fraser off the bench left, along with four of the five starters from the national championship team. So you're, caught, you're temporarily caught shorthanded. Roy was fine after the one-year gap where he was caught shorthanded, right? He's made the NCAA tournament every year since then, even added another national title a few years ago. He's caught with Cole Anthony out. He's caught with a shorthanded roster, an extremely shorthanded roster by UNC standards. With Cole Anthony there's a chance that they can make something of themselves. Are they anything like Duke or Florida State or Louisville? No. Are they capable with Cole Anthony of playing with anybody else in this league? I think they are. The question becomes, do you do so poorly with Cole Anthony out that you fall so far behind? I mean, they're 8-7, and seven, and we don't know when Cole Anthony is returning. 
They need him to return. Until then, Jeremiah Francis is being asked to do things beyond his ability. Brandon Robinson is being asked to do things beyond his ability. Roy Williams doesn't have any other choices. Leaky Black can and should play better. I think Justin Pierce can play better. Uh, but Garrison Brooks has given you everything he's got, man. He's actually playing pretty well most nights, even when the Tar Heels lose. I'm not sure how much more he has to give. Baycott can get better. Anthony can return from his injury. You know, there are reasons to believe the Tar Heels can make something of this season. But even with Cole Anthony, they, they do not look anything like the national contenders. And over these last three decades, Roy Williams, Kansas, and Carolina teams, most of the time, the majority of those 30 different NCAA or 29 out of 30 NCAA tournament trips, you would have put his team among the national championship contenders. Even at full strength, this Tar Heel team is simply not that. And without Cole Anthony, you know, who knows? They might even lose to Clemson in Chapel Hill for the first time in the history of the program. 59 trips for the Tigers to Chapel Hill in the sport of men's basketball. 59 losses for the Tigers on those trips in men's basketball. That forever streak is in jeopardy tomorrow at the Smith Center, part of a big college basketball weekend. 1-800-849-2761. Back to the NFL. The Elite Eight will become the Final Four this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Al Van in Burlington wants in on some football. You can be next. College hoops, college football, some NBA, some Carolina Hurricanes. Questions, comments, complaints, they are all fair game. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. We're pulled up right behind Matt Rowe from his trip from Mexico. I helped him in with the luggage a little bit, and Julie had all this food out there, so she was just feeding us this stuff. And Marty heard he had about 25 meatballs there, just as an aside. So we started interviewing Matt. Marty, Iron, Darwin, Jamie, Marty, Ernie, Dan, come with you. Going with his toughness, his questions, and you can see Marty says, "Man, I gotta get in. I gotta get in. I gotta get in recruiting mode now." And Steve and I just looked at each other. We looked at Marty, and we didn't say a word, and we just all went in recruiting mode because we knew we had something special. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. It is Free For All Friday, our one and only guest, because we turn most of our statewide platform over to you once a week and only once a week. Lines tend to be jammed Monday through Thursday. We open Free For All Friday for you. Ian Eagle, play-by-play man extraordinaire for the NFL on CBS, will drop by in about 30 minutes. So it's back to your calls right now. That was more of Panthers owner David Tepper. We gave you Panthers head coach Matt Rule a little bit earlier. That bromance continues, and that's what it is. They see a lot of themselves in each other from their upbringing in the northeastern United States, from their blue-collar, nothing-was-given-to-me backgrounds, from their work experience. Even as it turned out, they both once worked as short order cooks. They liked that in each other, among other things. And now Matt Rule is the head coach of the Panthers. Fun facts I promise from the NFL. Krista wants in from the Triangle. Al Van wants in from Burlington. You can join us from elsewhere at 1-800-849-2761. I do believe, believe the Ravens will beat the Titans. I do believe the Chiefs will beat the Texans. But a couple of fun facts with those AFC matchups in mind. Baltimore 
which of course finished the regular season with the best record in the NFL at 14-2. and two. Thus, home field advantage not only against the Titans this week, but assuming they win, they get it again next week against either the Chiefs or the Texans. Baltimore is a 10-point favorite. The last time the Ravens lost a football game in this 14-2 and two season was week four, meaning the end of September. Most coaches will tell you that what you looked like in September doesn't matter a whole lot come January. Themes, trends, your health, how have you played lately matters more for a lot of different reasons. Baltimore has not lost a game in more than three months, October, November, and December. It is January 10th, and they're playing tomorrow. The Ravens hosting the Titans. I told you the one road to victory if Tennessee wants an upset. Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing. Ryan Tannehill is really good against the Blitz, and the Ravens blitz more than any team in the NFL. That is your magic formula if you're the 10-point underdog Titans. Do I think they'll pull it off? No. Do I think they have a chance? Yes. I think they have a better chance again than the Texans visiting the Chiefs. It is true. Fun fact on that one. It is true that during this regular season, Houston went to Kansas City. It was way back in week six. But the Texans went to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs on their home field. Same venue, of course, as will be the case on Sunday afternoon. It was 31-24, Texans over Chiefs. It is important to add that Patrick Mahomes was hobbled by his ankle injury in that game and is a new and improved version of himself at this stage of the career, of, of the season rather. But Deshaun Watson had a Superman-like effort in that regular season matchup. Two rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. Houston has been crushed by opposing quarterbacks this year, just gashed with passing yards. J.J. Watt coming back from that pec injury does help. I just don't think Deshaun Watson has nearly enough help on either side of the ball to get another victory at Kansas City. Back to your calls. More fun facts. Seahawks at Packers, Vikings at 49ers, and more on college basketball with Wake visiting Duke State, taking a trip to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech, and, of course, Clemson visiting UNC in a matchup that has more than the usual competitive instincts in play. Al Van in Burlington, welcome to the David Glenn Show. NFL style. Krista is next. You can follow at 1-800-849-2761. What's going on, man? Welcome to the program. Uh, hi, this is Al Van. Uh, we have a, a question. Why don't we assign Manning or Rivers as a backup to Cam? Because Cam lied this year and said he was fine the first two games, and he wasn't fine. So who knows what he's going to do the first two games of this coming season. So why not get Rivers or Manning? You can get them cheap, put them on an incentive plan, and uh, get have a backup for him because Allen is not ready for the NFL, and neither is Greer. I don't blame you for asking, Alvan. I'll tell you this. The, the Panthers actually are a little bit predictable with their backups at quarterback. Kyle Allen is under their control contractually. And whereas he did not prove to be a starting caliber quarterback after some really good games, he kind of came back to earth. Most NFL people believe that Kyle Allen is a quality backup quarterback in the NFL. The really big question is who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Because as much as 
they might like Kyle Allen as a backup. He's not going to be their starter, not full-time anyway. And if you still are optimistic about Will Greer as a third-teamer, I mean, he looked horrible in the preseason. He looked horrible in his starts at the end of the regular season. You don't put a ceiling on what he can become someday, but you'd be crazy to trust Will Greer as a potential starter next year. It's really all about the top line on the depth chart. And Phillip Rivers, for, for those who don't know, is available as a veteran quarterback. Eli Manning has to make a retirement decision. You know, like Tom Brady just tweeted this week, uh, I'm not going to retire, basically. He didn't use those words, but I have more to prove. I'm not stepping away. Bob Kraft wants him back in a Patriots uniform. Brady has sold his house, and there's all sorts of speculation about he and his trainer, and they sold their houses, and they might resurface elsewhere. But Eli Manning has to make the retirement decision. Uh, Philip Rivers has to make a do I want to leave the only uniform I've ever known, the Chargers type decision. But either Cam Newton is healthy, and if that's the case, David Tepper sounds like a man who wants Cam Newton for one more year at that roughly $20 million price tag. If Cam Newton is not healthy, and we won't know that for a few months, well, then anything is possible. The, the, Matt Rule and David Tepper have to open their minds to every possibility. The scariest part of this equation, Alvan, is that the timetable is brutal. Like, you know, the draft is in April. Some of these free agent quarterbacks make their decisions in the spring, and you don't know the health of Cam Newton ahead of time. So it's not like dominoes where you just they're going to fall in the order you want them to fall. The Panthers probably won't have an answer on Cam Newton's health at the same time they're preparing for the draft and at the same time they're picking over who's available at quarterback and free agency. It's, it's a nightmarish set of dominoes. They're in exactly the wrong order for David Tepper and Matt Rule. Somehow they have to make a decision on Cam before they can contemplate your ideas or anybody else's. 1-800-849-2761. Back to your phone calls on the other side. Krista wants to steer us back to college basketball. I have some NBA notes. Did you know that Kevin Durant, still injured, is in the headlines in part because he felt the need on social media to defend his personal track record? His former teammate, Kendrick Perkins, took some shots at him, and Kevin Durant took to Twitter basically to defend his legacy. Some more from the NBA, a lot on LSU, Clemson, and college football. And, of course, front and center is the NFL and college basketball. Two of the very best teams in college hoops go head-to-head -to -head tomorrow afternoon in a national TV game. More on that matchup. And, of course, those closer to home, Clemson visiting struggling UNC. Wake Forest visiting Duke. The Deeks almost pulled off a stunner a year ago in Cameron. NC State is at Virginia Tech. A whole bunch of other ACC matchups as well. Well, more on that National College Hoops Game of the Week and more on Ravens-Titans, Chiefs-Texans, Vikings-Niners, and Seahawks-Packers. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can steer our ship. Ian Eagle, live in 25 minutes, a voice from the NFL on CBS. Your calls are next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Lines open for the first time in a long time. Our one and only guest, Ian Eagle, one of the great voices of the National Football League for CBS. Also the voice of the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. He's all over the Tennis Channel, Turner Sports, Westwood One. Ian Eagle live in about 20 minutes. Back to your Free For All Friday phone calls right now at 1-800-849-2761. Krista is in Raleigh and next. You can follow. I have more fun facts on each of the four NFL matchups. And it is a big weekend in college basketball, as I promised. The national highlight is this. And most agree that it is a less predictable college basketball season than usual. There is no super heavyweight, if you will. There might be a dozen or more realistic candidates to find the top of the mountain eventually. In our backyard, Duke, number two in the polls, certainly qualifies as one of those candidates. Two others go head-to-head -head this weekend. The Baylor Bears and the Kansas Jayhawks are ranked number four and number three, respectively, in all of college basketball as we speak. They go head-to-head -to -head tomorrow afternoon on CBS in the 1 o'clock game nationally. Baylor is 12-1, and one, and on an 11-game win streak, the Jayhawks are 12-2, and two, and Baylor has never won at Kansas in men's basketball. So we have our forever game at stake in Chapel Hill. Clemson has never beaten the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill in men's basketball. There's a forever game going on in the Big 12 as well. It's just a lot higher profile. You could argue that Clemson is the least talented team in the ACC. And I know the Tar Heels are not good by their standards. The Tar Heels are still better than Clemson. Doesn't mean they'll beat Clemson, but they have more quality players than the Tigers do. They can't say that about the Tar Heels against much of the ACC. You can say that about the Tar Heels with Clemson to coming, coming to town. Amir Sims is a quality forward for the Clemson Tigers. After that, they don't have a lot to lean on. They're good defensively, but probably as little offensive firepower as any of the 15 teams in the ACC. The Tar Heels also have guard problems, also have offense problems, but Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, Brandon Robinson actually provide more firepower than what Clemson has to offer. Baylor and Kansas are loaded with firepower. That is the must-see game of the college basketball weekend as we all tune in to those Elite Eight games in the NFL. Krista, welcome to Free For All Friday, 1-800-849-2761. Quick North Carolina-based note. Devin Dotson, the starting point guard for the Kansas Jayhawks in that game against Baylor tomorrow, well, all year long, of course, he's averaging about 19 points per game, leading the Big 12. You know where he's from? Providence Day School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Leader of the Kansas Jayhawks. Another great story from our great state through the Kansas pipeline. Remember the surprise Charlotte Hornet star of the season. Devontae Graham fits that description as well. From Raleigh to the Kansas Jayhawks to the NBA and this surprise breakthrough season for the Hornets. We'll see how Devin Dotson's career continues to unfold. He, he went to the NBA Combine last year at the end of his freshman season. He's really, really good. So a chance to get to see one of North Carolina's own, Devin Dotson, on the big stage for the Jayhawks against Baylor tomorrow. Krista, welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Hey, David, thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. Uh, listen, I just wanted to revisit the Jeremiah Francis discussion from earlier just a little bit. Yeah. Something I was wondering is, uh, you know, he went uh, 11, 10, 12, and 10 points, I believe, uh, against Z uh, Gonzaga and UCLA and Yale. 
And then you get to Georgia Tech and, and Pitt, and, you know, he, he's barely getting on the, the scoreboard. And I'm just trying to figure out mm. what it's a change. It's, uh, it's a fair question. It's uh, uh, Do you have a theory or just want me to spit a couple of theories at you? Just, you know, outside looking at to me, first of all, he looks like he's scared to shoot for some reason now. I don't know if he's scared to fail or what, but, I mean, he just he's very, very tentative, whereas before, I mean, you know, he was – seemed to be also somewhat physical in his play as yeah. well as scoring. And he seems to have switched these last few games, and he's, he's extremely uh, tentative. You know, I'm, I'm just sitting here screaming at the screen. Yeah. Shoot it, shoot it, you know. I get it. I get it. He showed some promise, double-digit double scoring totals, as you said, against quality opponents, Gonzaga and UCLA and Yale. Gonzaga is really, really good. Yale is pretty good. UCLA, not so much. But in the absence of Cole Anthony, obviously a lot has been thrown on Jeremiah Francis' shoulders. A couple things happen when you're brand new, essentially, to college basketball. One, later opponents get to see you on video for the first time ever. Jeremiah Francis had not played a basketball game at any level competitively in over two years because of those uh, injuries that cost him his junior and senior season of high school. So Georgia Tech and Pitt got to watch Jeremiah Francis on video against several opponents. Another thing that's happening, Jeremiah is what, about six feet tall. He kind of carries a lot of weight. I don't mean in a bad way, but he's He's built in a way that he's not a leaper, right? He's probably six foot, 200 plus. And when you're going against longer, leaner, quicker athletes than anything you saw in the Ohio high school basketball ranks, and you're only six feet tall, and you're not a leaper because you carry a little bit more uh, just heft to your game, you're going to have an adjustment period. And UCLA is not great on defense. Yale doesn't have as many athletes as some of these others. Georgia Tech's guards are Jose Alvarado and Michael DeVoe. Those guys are big-time players. So I think an escalation in the competition at your position made Jeremiah Francis look like a, a lesser version of himself. He's only shooting 28% from three-point land. He's only shooting like 20% on two-pointers. And a lot of that is because he's new, he might be nervous, uh, and, and when he ventures into the lane, he's dealing with athletes and height that he's never seen before. And now, again, opponents have an idea of what his game is all about. So I'm not putting a ceiling on the guy. The Tar Heels need him to get better even after Cole Anthony gets back. I mean, there's nowhere else to turn. He's more of a point guard than the other guys on the roster not named Cole Anthony. Andrew Playtech's not at all a point guard. Christian Keeling's not at all a point guard. Brandon Robinson's not at all a point guard. Cole Anthony is a point guard and even has some shooting guard to his game as well. But he's a point for Roy Williams, even if he's not a perfect fit for that. Jeremiah Francis has to be that next guy. Leaky Black can be a distributor in kind of the same way Theo Pinson was a distributor, but he just doesn't look comfortable in that role yet as a sophomore. Jeremiah Francis has to become comfortable, even if it's, you know, when Cole Anthony comes back, if he's healthy. I don't know if they limit his minutes because he's coming off a knee surgery. If he's healthy, he should play 35 minutes a game. Like, what does Trey Jones play for Duke? 33 to 35 point minutes per game? Because he's that good, and they need him at that very important position. Uh, those are some of my theories for why Jeremiah Francis has kind of come crashing back to earth. Who are Pitt's best players? Guards. Trey McGowan's and Xavier Johnson. Who are Georgia Tech's best players? Guards. Jose Alvarado and Michael DeVoe. 
And that is an escalation in competition that I think uh, would do that to a lot of freshmen, not just Jeremiah Francis of the Tar Heels. Mark in Greensboro, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Hey, David. Uh, first off, I wanted to thank you for how passionately you cover the Canes in hockey. It's hard to find that down here in the South. So thank you. Just say thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so my question was about college basketball these days. Now, since a one and done, each year it's like each team has a brand new roster every year. It's not like back in the days where you got to watch Tyler Hands row for four years. True. And you got to watch your freshmen develop all through the four years. And, I mean, it's gotten to the point where people like Nasir Little think they can leave the institution of Chapel Hill for the NBA. I mean, it's, I've just lost my appeal, you know. It's all about watching the young guys come in, watch them for four years, see them develop. And you, know what, you know what the bottom line is? And people pay, like seriously, people who study market forces pay for people's opinions on this topic. If large numbers of people lose their love of college basketball because of this, it's a problem. It's like anything else in life. You know, the, the favorite item on the restaurant's menu, if lots and lots and lots of people stop liking it, guess what? Eventually, it's not going to be an item on the menu anymore. If it's only the occasional Mark in Greensboro and a handful of others who say, I don't love college hoops the way I used to because teams don't grow together into upperclassmen the way they used to, if, if that happens, then college sports has a major problem. College football is the biggest economic engine in college sports by far for most schools. At some schools, it is basketball first, and that would matter. If you lose your connection with your fan base or your season ticket holders or whatever, to this point, college basketball remains so popular that I don't think huge swaths of people are saying, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm just watching the NBA. I actually think a bigger problem, and this varies person by person. Mark's not wrong with his opinion. I mean, everybody just, you're just sharing how you feel. You like it less because it's changed that way. I respect that. I don't like it any less. I can watch teams grow. You know, Duke is a mix of veterans and freshmen this year with sophomore Trey Jones kind of the bridge in the middle. Uh, I think more alarming is that college College basketball looks ugly a lot. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't enough offense to begin with, and they moved the three-point line back this year. Like, watch NBA basketball. I love teamwork. I love playing for the name on the front of the jersey instead of the name on the back. I love all that corny stuff about college sports. It's one of the reasons I've passionately covered it for 30-plus years. I don't love how ugly offensive basketball often is at the college level. I prefer the college game over the NBA game, even though I am also an NBA fan. When you watch an NBA game, man, it, even when the defenders are trying hard, the offensive skill is sometimes overwhelming. In these middleweight and lowerweight matchups at the college level, it is downright ugly sometimes where the defense dominates too much. I wonder if that's not a higher risk than the whole one-and-done thing, which has been around for a while. We're back after this on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to good. the show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Ian Eagle's one of the best play-by-play -play guys in the world of sports. He handles the NFL for CBS, the Brooklyn Nets of the NBA. 
Tennis Channel, Turner Sports, and more. It is a huge weekend in the NFL with the Elite Eight still standing. We'll talk all things football and some other things with one of the greats of the broadcasting industry and a longtime friend of the program, Ian Eagle, next on the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. And yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.